Hi everyone, welcome to Oscar Wilde, a podcast about film, always counting down to this month's Oscars. I'm Nick Rohrkraut. And I'm Sophia Simonello. And we are back with another special interview. We spoke with Dan Lauston, the cinematographer for Nightmare Alley, and he is nominated. We love talking with him. He really emphasized the lighting and using that tactic to emphasize certain qualities of the film. And I think hearing more about his process with Del Toro was pretty cool and how highly everyone thinks of them and being able to work as a team with an A-list cast that was awesome to hear from. Yeah, definitely. It's a really fun interview. And I loved hearing him talk about Bradley Cooper and Kate Blanchett, obviously, but also for fans of Crimson Peak and The Shape of Water, he shot both of those movies too, which have phenomenal cinematography as well. So definitely check out our conversation with him. Thank you again for joining us today. Um, we loved Nightmare Alley. Oh, thank you so much for yeah. that. Congratulations on your second Oscar nomination. You've worked with Guillermo del Toro prior to Nightmare Alley, um, notably on The Shape of Water, but also Mimic and Crimson Peak. We'd like to know, and I think our listeners would love to know too, what is it like working with Guillermo and how did the creative process on Nightmare Alley compare to the other films that you've collaborated with him on? First of all, Guillermo is a fantastic filmmaker. He's a really nice person, so you know, the fantastic filmmaker and a very nice person. When that's combining to one director, you know, it's it's, a, it's fantastic. He's just a really cool director, and he knows he has a fantastic vision. And as a cinematographer, it's a pleasure to work with him because he knows where he wants to go and he knows what he wants to do, and that's uh, that's a big big thing for a DP. And my yeah, first time I met him was like on Mimic in 96 or 98 or something like that, maybe 96. And that was his first American movie. That was my Amer- second American movie. So both of us was like working on not solid ground. Uh, and Mimic was like a very complicated movie for him to do and for me as well, but most for him because you know, there was a lot of problems with the Weinsteins and you know, they wanted to do one movie, he wanted to do another one. And uh, we wanted to do more like a dark, scary movie and there was you know it's just a lot of stuff going on. so on that process we learned it's hard to know very very well because it was a really tough movie to do it was not like walking in the park it was fantastic to do it but it was very complicated and then we didn't talk to each other too much for like 15 years and then he asked me to do crimson peak and it was like coming back home to your yeah. brother so that was like this is fantastic. So, you know, we have the same feeling about, you know, how do you want to make movies? We have the same ideas about how the lighting should be, how the camera should move and how you want to tell the story. We are both very much into the moving camera, you know, single source lighting, very atmospheric, atmospheric lighting. And the camera and the lighting should be a big part of the storytelling. So, and when you shot Shape of Water, he, you know, we are talking to each other all the time and we talked about what should the next next project be. And he said, oh, I'm thinking about doing this Nightmare Alley and that's based on a book. And uh, and all, some other guys have made it in 46, I think it was. But don't look at that. So I didn't do that. I've never, <laughs> seen, I've never seen that movie. And of course, when we start to prep Nightmare Alley, we talked about going black and white and, you know, it was just like... We didn't knew we was going black and white, you know, just making a black and white version, but we talked about the lighting should be like we was doing a black and white movie. So, you know, it's going to be single source lighting, especially the, the Buffalo sequence is like very noir looks. 
So we have a lot of discussions about that in the beginning. And I didn't knew there was going to be a color version, a black and white version, but we were just lighting it much more like expressionistic and much more like, so it could be a black and white movie. And then later on, it went to a black and white movie and works pretty well as well. Did you do any retouching for that black and white version? Or are you, like you said, you weren't in the know about it before it was done? The lighting, of course, was, you know, as I said, the lighting was made for a color, for a color version of the movie as a color. But, you know, we was lighting as like as it was a black and white movie, you know, the special, the, the stuff, the carnival mm-hmm. as well. But, you know, we want to have this like steel blue backlights for the smoke and for the steam and for the rain. And single source lighting in the a little bit more realistic lighting in the carnival, and then we came into the Buffalo world. The, the and then it's get much more nouveau, you know, where very precise single single source lighting and very precise like Hollywood in the forties. But but when we went mm-hmm. into the black and white version, we went back to the raw files. Normally, you know, if you have an iPhone or you have a computer, you can just take the color out, and then it's going to be black and white. We didn't do that. We we, we went back into the, because you know when you're shooting alexa 65 or whatever you're shooting you can shoot raw and most of the people shooting raw so you have all the options to go into the raw files and we did that when we went into the black and word black and white versions so we went into the raw files so we can work with the magenta mm-hmm. and cyan and bringing different part of the negative out in, in black and white so we worked a lot of that in in, uh, in the company tree in la to do that it was not like we just turn the button and there was black and white you, know, you could do that but we didn't do that we right. went in like a big deal and uh, i spent a lot of time there so dan you've kind of hinted at this already but many of the films the danish films that you've worked on also the films with guillermo they blend into horror and sci-fi so in those moments you're creating eerie dark spaces lots of shadows and darkness how do you use light and shadows to emphasize namely Stanton in this in this case because he's the character we're following you know towards his eventual demise by the end yeah what we talked about you know it's a long discussion about how to shoot the movie and I did that of course with Guillermo del Toro on this one and we you know we designed this set together with the Tamara you know the production designer talked about the costumes with costume designer Lewis and what we talked about was we want to shoot this movie much more wide angle. We want to be lower with the camera. We want to move the camera a little bit in longer takes. But we talked a lot about we should be behind Stanley Bradley a lot of the time. The first time you see him, you know, we see him silhouette against the window. We see him, we're pushing behind him, you know, when he first time he comes to the carnival. He's very much in the shadows all the time, you know. And because we talked about it, the camera should be low and be after him. We want to have this feeling about he's inside a box all the time. You, when he's coming to the carnival, you have this feeling about the smoke, but you don't see, I don't think you, the smoke is not a big character, but it's still like it's giving a mood into the into the scene. And that's the same when he's coming, jumping into the rain sequence, the packing the tents down, the packing the carnival down. It's like, he's always a little bit silhouetted and you know, very like, yeah, kind of in the shadows all the time. And that was like, for example, when he's sitting in the chair in in the hotel room, he's falling to sleep or whatever he's doing, and then the fire coming up behind him and he's standing up and he's coming up to that big, big close-up we see, but he's totally silhouetted. You don't see him, his face, but you have a clearly feeling about his feelings because we 
he's like silhouetted against this beautiful ceiling and you're pushing, pushing him low and you're pushing him to his close-ups. And it's it's like we want to tell the story about a man that's always on his way to something or cats in that box of blackness. Uh, and that's what we try to do. And of course, we want to have it making him mysterious all the time and like just catching in his own world. That was like something we talked about a lot. And you know, Guillermo was a master, a master because he really know where and how to move the camera, you know, it's, it's really a pleasure. Mm-hmm. You talked a little bit about how this film is split into these two worlds and you have like the softness of the carnival and then with Art Deco Buffalo. I'm so curious about how you shot Kate Blanchett because she looks stunning in this film and she feels like right at home, I think, in this old Hollywood film noir. And I think you started to talk about like the specificity of the lighting in the latter half of the film. So if you could just like talk about your approach to lighting her and what that was like. No, working with those world class, really, really nice and fantastic good actors is a you know, it's a pleasure. You know, everybody likes to be on this movie because it's a game of the tour movie, everyone's, you know, because he has this his own universe. And of course, you can light actors as we did in the beginning, you know, soft light from one side and, you know, maybe a little bit soft light all over. But we just want to tell the story about Kate should be this from Fatal. First time you see her, she's, she's sitting in this silhouette, super, super nice backlight, but you don't see her exactly, but you know she's like something special about her and the camera camera's pushing into her. And then when we are coming into her office and actually the first time you see her, when he have, she had the gig with, with Bradley, when we have this nouveau, you know, very hard shadows on her front head. And that is something that's very special to do with actors because, you know, the actors have to hit the light exactly precise. It's not like if they're five centimeters forward, there's no light. And if they're five centimeters back, there's too much light. So, you know, for the actors, for everybody, it's like a really big thing to work this way because the light is, it's the single source, very precise glitz lighting but you know if the access is not hitting the marks and the light exactly precise then it doesn't work uh, and it's like a big challenge for everybody to go into this old hollywood noir mm. film lighting and especially because the way we are shooting the cameras moving a lot so you know it's a it's a balance the cast the actors the camera and the lighting so and it's when it works it's just fantastic i think it's it's really really it's a big privilege to be a part of that. And of course, the first couple of rehearsals you do that is like, oh, this is very precise because it's like super precise compared to what you're doing normally. Uh, and I think when you see how it works, everybody's like enjoying it because it, it, it is a very special look and I'm very happy you like the way we like it because it is very powerful and she looks, and I agree about that, she looks fantastic. But it's, it's very complicated for her and for Bradley as well, of course, but you know, to hit the light exactly because they have to be in it otherwise it doesn't work so it was a big thing for them it's fantastic for me to be to working together to working together with those precise and really talented cast yeah i'm curious too with like with film noir and thinking about like lighting them in this old hollywood way did you have any particular films that you looked to for inspiration or maybe even like paintings with particular light sources that you liked no, we saw, no, not so much. In the beginning, we talked a little bit about Danish uh, Hammershoi and the American Hobbits, you know, 
but that was more for the landscapes. That was like a kind of guideline. But we didn't talk about some specific lighting movies, but you know, everybody I've seen Citizen Kane and mm-hmm. and Casablanca and all those classic movies. Um, but it was not like we were sitting there and talking about, oh, this should looks like Citizen Kane or this should look mm-hmm. like Casablanca. You know, we just have an idea about it should look like a classic Hollywood movie, but just, but we shot it, remember, we shot it in color. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was like lighting a colorful movie, a color movie with a black and white lighting setup. And we was, a little, I was a little bit nervous about that because, you know, does it work? Does it going to be too artificial? Because you, know, you see, if you're jumping back and just see her office, you know, the, there's a big window, the light is coming from the window. And does it look artificial when she's coming into this very specific light? But, I, you know, I think it works fantastic. And that's one of the reasons we spend so much time to design that room as well, because, you know, we have the skylight. So it could be always a light coming from the skylight if you want to explain it. But I don't think you did that, but it's just, it works really well, even if it's artificial. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was a little bit nervous about when we talked about it and we start to do it, but it works fantastic. I think, you know, that's, I don't think about it at all. I just think she looks fantastic and beautiful and it's uh, it works really well. So you mentioned being a collaborator with Tamara. We spoke to her previously about the physical alley-like spaces in this film. So how did you look to accentuate those spaces, this running motif with the camera? No, again, you know, because we decided, Guillermo and me decided very early to be much more wide angle and we was normally, you know, we wanted to be a bigger format, you know, but bigger sensor, more wide angle lenses and much more lower with the camera. And we talked about, for example, Kate's office again, you know, that was much smaller in the beginning, it was much more like a normal office. And then we just talked a lot about, you know, we want to make it longer and longer. And again, with with fixed ceilings and ceilings are, so all the sets have very, very low ceilings and fixed lead ceilings because we want to have this about corridors, rooms with ceilings, again, boxes, boxes, and the alley, nightmare alley, you know, that we, you know, it's just the way we place the camera. Of course, it's getting a little bit more complicated to, to light the sets because you see everything and you see the ceilings. A lot of times you have, you're lighting from above because you can, you can do that when you're in the studio, but we couldn't do that because mm-hmm. we saw the ceilings all the time. So, but there was very much a discussion with the camera as well, of course, to go low, low and wide angle and just move the camera and this like behind, behind, behind. And there was, of course, when Tamara was designing the set, there was a big thing for her as well to to know and be a part of that discussion. We want to see, yeah, ceilings all the time. And there was like, her room is a corridor. He's running away in the corridor. She's coming when we're coming behind him in the carnival. It's like the carnival is like a kind of a corridor, and he's coming in. First time he's coming into the geek house, he's going through this circle, and then he again he's coming into a corridor when he's coming through the big mouth of the of the devil's house there. So that mm-hmm. was, of course, something that was coming a lot from Guillermo and from Tamara and myself, you know, and it's, yeah, it's a very nice process to be a part of. Before we get to our last question, I also just want to mention this movie has a great final shot. And I think that that's something that people have been talking about when they talk about Nightmare Alley. So congratulations on that too. Just showing Bradley Cooper that no, way. Thank you. Mm-hmm. No, that was fantastic, you know, and what a performance, you know, it's like, wow, you're just sitting there, like, you can feel his his voice on your, on your body, it was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Definitely. 
So we end every episode by asking our guests, what is one thing that you are wild for right now as kind of a play on our title? So it can be a movie, a TV show, a book, anything. I think people should watch a movie called I'm Cuba. That's shot a black and white movie. It's shot infrared and it's shot in Cuba in 62. And that's of inspiration, a lot of cinematographers, a lot of like movie makers, and it's still a fantastic movie. So if you have any chance to see that, I think it's a wild movie and it's made amazing and it's a huge inspiration for the visual, how to tell a story. It's, it's amazing. So I will suggest that everybody should see that movie. Great. Perfect. Amazing. Yeah. We'll look into that. No, you should do that for sure. It's not easy to find, but you should. Yeah. Fantastic movie. I'll definitely look for it and add it to my list. But thank you so much, Dan, for joining us today. It was a pleasure to get to talk to you about your work on Nightmare Alley. Thank you very much. Yeah, best of luck. Yeah. Thank you very much. Thank guys. you. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye.